Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about memorial music. the last couple of months on inappropriate conversations with topics about music and different drummers who are musicians, and I don't think that runs into just yet, because Memorial Day is a very important holiday for me personally, and one that I probably recognize a little bit differently than some other folks do, but it appears regularly on inappropriate conversations. In fact, the first time I mentioned it was probably the very first Memorial Day of the very first year when I talked about a quote from a previous short story that included the line, On the day I was married, thousands of people flocked to cemeteries and mourned the dead. I shared that entire short story not too long ago in an episode called The Death of the Author. In fact, now that I think about it, it was probably exactly one year ago as I was remembering Memorial Day at that time. The one thing I haven't really done, though, is think through Memorial Day as a topic on its own steam. To look back at the holiday itself, its origin story, uh, the reason we have a Remembrance Day in the United States, and I'm not even going to do that yet this year, because what I want to do is focus instead on song. But Memorial Day has been on my mind lately because we've had a fair amount of deaths. The celebrity death just this past week of B.B. King comes to mind. I'll be going to a funeral service tomorrow for the death of a longtime member of the church that I attend now. If you paid any attention to the spinoff podcast that can be found here at www.inappropriateconversations.org called Walk the Earth, you'll know that for a year and a half or so, we have found a new church home, and that podcast sort of documents the transition from uh, the church we left to the church we're at, and we'll be going to remember the life of one of the members of the church that we're at now. I've also had uh, death in the family, or part of the extended family, So even if I wasn't thinking about Memorial Day as a holiday, I might be grappling a little bit with questions about my own mortality, strictly from the fact that there's just been a lot of death lately uh, in my family, among friends, and obviously uh, it's hard to let a few weeks go by without there being some notable sort of celebrity passing, including the passing of B.B. King. So before I get to the topic that I really want to hit today and share, frankly, a lot of music... I want to start with the different drummer segment because there is a tie-in, at least a tenuous tie-in, between our different drummer today and B.B. King. Because our different drummer is Joseph Henry Burnett. T-Bone Burnett, for the Wikipedia page, which is one that is currently being flagged as having some citation issues, so... Bear with me if the information is not completely accurate. Is listed as an American musician, songwriter, soundtrack, and record producer. He was touring as a guitarist in Bob Dylan's band The Rolling Thunder Review in the 1970s. And after that tour ended, he and two other members formed the Alpha Band from the remnant of that uh, backing band for Bob Dylan. They released three albums, and Burnett's first solo album came out in 1980. 
I first encountered T-Bone Burnett as a solo artist. And I'll mention a few things from him lyrically that I think really uh, can explain some of that. But anybody who feels like they may not have heard of T-Bone Burnett, and certainly may not have recognized him by his birth name, Joseph Henry Burnett, uh, probably doesn't realize the fact that you absolutely do know this particular artist. He is well known. If I just go, frankly, over to the question of, of awards, that may be the best way to start. Because as an album producer, he has had not just a long resume, but an, an acclaimed resume. He's won, starting in uh, 2001, Producer of the Year for non-classical albums. And on to as most recently as 2008, being the producer for the album One Kind Favor by B.B. King, which also won Best Traditional Blues Album. He's won other awards of similar nature for the soundtrack to the movie Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's also done other music subsequently with the Coen brothers, their remake of The Lady Killers, most recently Inside Llewellyn Davis. He also won a Grammy Award for the Best Traditional Folk Album, including Best Ethnic or Traditional Folk Recording, for the follow-up to that, Down from the Mountain, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Sort of an investigation of the music behind the music used in the movie. He also won for Best Compilation Soundtrack, producing The Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash biopic music. So, a fairly well-acclaimed performer, but more acclaimed, perhaps, as a producer. So let me go to the Wikipedia list of production credits for T-Bone Burnett and just rattle off the ones that strike me right off the top. Music either that I own or that I've heard or artists that I'm at least familiar with. Leo Kotke, Los Lobos, Marshall Crenshaw, Peter Case, Elvis Costello, Sam Phillips, his wife, producing most of her albums during the time that they were married. He also did work for Bruce Coburn, Chris Christopherson, Roy Orbison. And that's just... That's just scanning through the list. Brandy Carlisle here, somewhat more recently. I think perhaps, though, it's the soundtrack music for which we would recognize him the most. He did the uh, Across the Universe soundtrack, along with the soundtrack to Crazy Heart, for which he was nominated for a Grammy and Oscars. And other work for uh, Jacob Dylan, Willie Nelson, John Mellencamp. The two really breakthrough roots and blues music albums by John Mellencamp here in the last, you know, almost a decade. Those were produced by T-Bone Burnett. So the kind of person where, especially if an artist like, say, Alison Krauss and Robert Plant were going to go to get together in the studio and recording their Raising Sand LP, the kind, he's the kind of artist that you'd want in the studio with you. But as I mentioned a moment ago, my first encounter of Burnett was as a musician. A friend of mine, Probably the same friend of mine, as a matter of fact, who shared with me for the first time I'd ever heard bands like XTC and The Jam, shared with me a cut from one of the EPs that had come out years and years ago by T-Bone Burnett. The song I remember most from that tape that we sort of traded hands was the his version of Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend. That can be found, in fact, on uh, 2020, The Essential T-Bone Burnett, a two-CD set, which I'm happy to, to say is well-represented on my MP3 player. As I often do with musicians, now that I'm segueing from Burnett as a producer to Burnett as a musician, I carry 53 songs with me, including the entire album, The Criminal, under my own hat. And again, a big chunk of the 2020 Essentials collections. And I want to quote song lyrics here in just a moment. I normally would be tempted to play some songs and to give you a feel for T-Bone Burnett and the actual guitar and vocal style, 
But because of the simplicity of his approach to music, I'm not 100% sure that that's absolutely necessary. Plus, there's going to be plenty of music on this particular episode. Looking specifically at Memorial music, or Memorial Day music, there's a question I'll answer after the Different Drummer segment, in other words. But the first album from him that I heard came out in 1983, and I probably acquired it not long after that, called Proof Through the Night. And when I've talked in the past about uh, you know, some big moments in my life, I refer to it in Inappropriate Conversations 80 as Revelation Weekend. And in the week building up to that, I was making a lot of jokes at the expense of Oral Roberts, the leader of Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, the man who kind of uh, deservedly became somewhat notorious in all but perhaps the most cultic corners of conservative Christianity for his claim that a 900-foot Jesus was going to assassinate him if he didn't build a hospital in the South Tulsa skyline. That sort of, you know, that sort of story that I've shared before a couple of times on inappropriate conversations. During the week building up to what I call Revelation Weekend, this album, Proof Through the Night, was where I was spending my time. And I was listening to it closely for a couple of reasons. One track, which I carry on my MP3 player because I've got a vinyl to MP3 converter. At the time, this particular album had never been released on CD, so I had to go back and kind of make my own MP3 if I was going to. Stunned was one of the songs that I did that way, that I converted that way. The other was Fatally Beautiful. And what occurred to me about the song Fatally Beautiful when I first heard it was the connection to the Alain Robegrier uh, short story, The Secret Room. The Secret Room was mentioned early on in Inappropriate Conversations, the very first year, talking about art and the strange bedfellows. And I was struck by the lyric and how closely the lyric sort of mimicked that. In a sense, Fatally Beautiful is a song about the way society churns and burns through beautiful women, uh, turning somebody who could be a model into a celebrity, into an icon, and perhaps ultimately into a victim of her own iconic status. Here's the last couple of verses from the song. She was discovered by a man three times her age who worked for a studio, and he bought her dresses and perfume and moved her into his home. He got her a part in a comedy where she played a dumb blonde whore, and she posed without clothes for a magazine and the offers came in by the score. Fast forward. In a restaurant in Brussels, she pulls back her hair, picks up a candle and lights a cigarette, and she's recognized by a tourist who can't see her face but knows her silhouette. He imagines her robe as it drops to the floor. He imagines her skin soft to the touch. He imagines her naked on silk sheets. That morning, she never woke up. Because he couldn't help but notice her. She was fatally beautiful. Ever since she was a girl, she was fatally beautiful. Now, you could read this, this song lyric in multiple ways. You could read it as if this man that sees her in Belgium is somehow some sort of a violent criminal who brings about her fate. But I choose to think of it more psychologically and to look at it from the perspective of the short story by Alain Robegrier and that, that notion of the secret room and what, what happens inside our minds when we objectify people. That's the kind of songwriting that he was doing early on in his career. One of the things that caught my ear, though, about Burnett later on, probably my favorite album by him is The Criminal Under My Own Hat. That particular release, uh, I've got dated as 1992. I remember it happening right around the time that the presidential elections were happening where you had Ross Perot uh, getting in between, for want of a better word, the, uh, 
re-election bid for George Bush, the senior of the two George Bushes, and which led to Bill Clinton's presidency because of how all that disruption happened. And a friend of mine at work, who was a, you know, much more liberal than I am, because remember, I consider myself to be a political moderate, uh, it's harder to stay truly middle between the poles of right and left when the country itself seems to have skewed so ir- irrationally right, I guess would be the way I'd word that. But he was far more liberal than me. And he was delighted at the election of Clinton. Uh, I was not. I didn't vote for him. I was more or less indifferent, hoping to see a little bit more from the third party movement, even though I didn't vote for Perot either. Just to restate, I voted none of the above that particular year, which in the state I lived in was was an option, (laughs) possibility. So he came up to me and said, well, the good news here is that now that Clinton's in the White House, we've finally seen the last of this idiot Rush Limbaugh. His perspective, and not one that I'm, you know, unsympathetic to. But I told him, I said, I thought that the opposite was probably true. That because Clinton got elected, we were probably more than anything else stuck with Rush Limbaugh for a while. Because there's nothing quite like somebody who, there's nothing quite like somebody who gives you an opposition, right? So that opposition voice was in essence handed to Limbaugh, and a voice that, in my opinion, has not been used terribly responsibly, by the election and later re-election of Clinton. So those two things kind of go hand in hand. There's sort of a, a opposite sides of the coin, if you will. And T-Bone Burnett must have felt the same way that my friend did, because one of the songs on The Criminal Under My Own Hat is called I Can Explain Everything, which I believe is a direct and intentional reference to Rush Limbaugh. The complete lyrics to that short song go like this. I have a suggestion, an answer to the question, how can we make the world easier to bear? We could go on a mission to get all politicians and preachers off of the air. Because when you're talking to that many people at one time, you're bound to be lying to someone at some time. So let's band together and cause a collision and throw all these liars off television. I can explain everything. I can explain everything. I can explain everything. I can explain everything. So, T-Bone Burnett, in keeping with the theme of inappropriate conversations, not afraid to mix the controversial topics from popular culture or politics, religion could be the question mark. But I tell you, having just released Walk the Earth 26, looking at a very specific question related to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to cite some lyrics from a song called The Long Time Now, written or co-written by Burnett and Bob Newirth. And I've got to say that maybe I'm reading into things that I want to see there. That's, that's always possible. But to some degree, that is the nature of faith, at least faith in action. Because I didn't go into too much detail in the Walk the Earth question that I was answering. It's, it wasn't an inappropriate conversations episode, after all. But for me, that... You know, hearing the Holy Spirit, praying, getting answers to prayer, or at least getting guidance, uh, is consistent with the lyrics of this song, The Long Time Now. I can hear you breathing, whispering in my ear that there is nothing to fear, but when I turn around, as I see the trees bow, I only hear the wind blow. By mistake, I felt alone. In my heart, I've always known you'd be there to bring me home. I've been waiting for a long, long time. It's possible, of course, that the song has no intentional direct reference to the Holy Spirit. But as I've established many times, including that short story I shared a year ago, short story called Authorial Intent, whose theme is that I don't believe in authorial intent. If I see 
the Holy Spirit, in this song by T-Bone Burnett, it doesn't really matter if T-Bone Burnett sees it too. It's enough to say that T-Bone Burnett, as a producer, finding the voice for other musicians where maybe they haven't heard their own voice fully and completely, and connecting with the ancient in music when he's producing even brand new songs, is someone who, for me, has a strong spirituality to go with the often caustic political observations. It's history. And from about that time, 3500, 3000 BC, until about the American Revolution, the figures, Alexander, Julius, Caesar, and Tecumseh, Woodrow Wilson, their King Gedderick, William the Conqueror, and his Norman, the events, that that whole year 1066, which led up to the Battle of Hastings, was a pivotal year. The drama. Another one of these successors behind the backs of everyone else steals Alexander's body and takes it back to his little territory in Egypt. The deep questions. What the heck happened? At the end of the Bronze Age. It's Hardcore History. Get Hardcore History at dancarlin.com. If the universe suddenly gave me a ton more time, among the things I'd do with that time is listen to more of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History than I do today. Great podcast. I've been dabbling in music, or at least in music commentary, the last couple of episodes, and I've got a little bit more to say before the month of May is over. But one of the things I want to do now, and that I think I'll repeat again later this year, is to spend a little bit more time with a little bit more music, and to do so intentionally. So I've been very careful throughout the history of inappropriate conversations in managing music incidentally. But right now, even if this proves to be a short-lived episode from its shelf life online, I intend to be a little bit more willful about it. You see, if I go back all the way to 2011, in fact, April 3rd, 2011, is when I made a post about this as a blog entry, one of the early ones, I imagine, at the inappropriateconversations.org website. The category section in the right navigation area of the current layout of that uh, website has the shorthand for the different drummers. But there's a couple on there that don't really tie directly to different drummers. Walk the Earth, of course, is a way of quickly getting to Walk the Earth episodes. Intro deals with the uh, first couple of episodes in the history of the, of the podcast, but also anything that's promotional, sort of coming soon kind of stuff. But articles is where the blog posts can be found. Uh, these are not podcast episodes that are posted there, but articles, for want of a better word. On April 3rd, 2011, I wrote this. A friend of mine laid down a challenge earlier this year. Name ten songs you'd like to be remembered by. What would these songs say about you if they could be summed up and inscribed on your gravestone? I took that challenge. And what I want to do today is take the, the list of songs a step further and kind of wander through them with the question, perhaps, are there moments of musical inspiration that you love enough to leave behind as a final thought after you've gone? Now, it kind of disturbed me a little bit to think that having put that blog, blog post up there almost as a writing exercise, that maybe somebody would say, hey, at Greg's funeral, these are the ten songs we absolutely positively have to play. That isn't really my intent. Wasn't then, isn't now. But from a Memorial Day perspective, it might make sense to look at things that are that meaningful. And if they resonated with me, why did they resonate? And what does that say? But instead of counting 1 through 10, 
as I did on the blog post entry. I'm going to do this a bit more like a countdown, doing 10th to 1st, and play the songs as I go. So, in addition to some commentary, I'm going to let the writers and musicians speak for themselves, for want of a better word. Starting with number 10. And the thing, as I look on this list, I'm going to find that, of course, if it's music that's important to me, there's going to be different drummers throughout here. And in some cases, even if the artist isn't a different drummer, it may be a song that has been mentioned as the centerpiece of a particular episode. And that certainly is the way we'll get started, with the ink spots and a song written by Delange and Stepped called This Is Worth Fighting For. The lyric that I shared is a short kind of blurb to help spur the memory of anybody who might have heard these songs before. On that blog post years ago was, I gathered my loved ones around me, and I gazed at each face I adore. Then I heard that voice within me thunder, This is worth fighting for. I saw a peaceful old valley With a carpet of corn for a floor And I heard a voice within me Whisper, this is worth fighting for I saw a little old cabin And the river that flowed by the door and I heard a voice within me whisper, This is worth fighting for. Didn't I build that cabin? Didn't I plant that corn? Didn't my folks before me fight for this country? Before I was born I gathered my loved ones around me And I gazed at each face I adore And I heard that voice within me Thunder, this is worth I for The other day we passed through a little old valley Had a carpet of corn for a floor And it seemed there was something Way down inside of me kept saying Son, that's worth fighting for Little further along we passed an old dilapidated cabin One of them kind with old man river flowing right by the door Seemed like this thing down inside of me kept on saying, Son, that's worth fighting for. So I got to thinking, didn't I help to build that cabin? And didn't I help to plant that corn? And didn't my folks way yonder before me fight for this country way before I was born? I gathered my loved ones around me And I gazed at each face I adore And I heard that voice within me Thunder, this is worth fighting for 
I believe I actually called the episode, Inappropriate Conversations number 123, This is Worth Fighting For. The different drummer that day was Jamie Clark, not any member of the Ink Spots, or the songwriters of this particular track, which had an influential role to play as the music of World War II. But all the same, the song itself was a crucial piece of that particular inappropriate conversations, and gives you a sense of what I'm trying to accomplish here. There was another, older, inappropriate conversations show. I named it RSVP, because that's what I called the message, or the sermon, if you will, that I gave to church underneath that heading. It was Inappropriate Conversations 49, and it was built entirely around a song by the different drummer of that episode, The Electrics, a band, maybe one of the first times I'd named a collective group as a different drummer. But this music group was responsible for the song, Party Going On Upstairs. As I lay sleeping in my room, I heard an uppy scuffle going on. Well, it seemed to me that more than just a few had gathered there to dance till dawn. They're coming in their dozens, coming in their singles and their pairs. I don't know what they're doing, but of this you can't be sure. There's a party going on. See what's going on, and the hungry for a banquet fit for 
So number nine, The Electrics, Party Going On Upstairs. Uh, the song written by Horner, member of the band, there were people there relieved of all their cares. You see, everyone was welcome. You just had to say you'd come to the party going on upstairs. I won't say more about that, short of the obvious reference to heaven that the song itself is, because the entirety of Inappropriate Conversations 49 goes into much more detail than that. So if that takes me from number nine, what is number eight? And number eight's interesting, because there are so many tracks from Chris Rice, a former different drummer, that I could pick if I was trying to find something from the perspective of memorial music. But really, there's more to Go Light Your World than maybe any of the other songs that I could name. And I struggled a little bit trying to share just enough of what that music was about. The quote that I used in this blog post was, Praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, make us a beacon in darkest times. But it seems insufficient. And again, maybe the right thing to do is let the music speak for itself. Some brightly burning And some dark and cold And there is a spirit Who brings a fire Ignites a candle And makes his home Carry your candle Run to the darkness Seek out the helpless Confused and torn And hold out your candle For all to see Take your candle And go light your world Take your candle
whose hearts are blazing. So let's raise our candles and light up the sky. Praying to our Father in the name of Jesus, make us a beacon in darkest times. Rice was carefully chosen for me as a different drummer, intentionally on Inappropriate Conversations 118, Where Would I Be Without God? And because that was such a personal episode, in fact, one of the more personal episodes I've done, I felt like I needed a different drummer that I kind of, you know, a different drummer that meant something a lot to me personally. To me, the verse that I really love from this song is the one where he talks about the brother and the sister, and one of them's been robbed and lied to. The other one is trying to light his candle his own way. I like the analogy of a candle. It's long been used in the church as a reference to the Holy Spirit, and once again, tying out to the most recent episode of Walk the Earth. If I go from there to number seven on the list, here's somebody who hasn't yet been named a different drummer, and I'm going to use the word yet, because it does seem like it's just a matter of time. Maria McKee is playing a song called I Can't Make It Alone. Now, this is not her song. She's not the songwriter. This goes back to uh, Carole King. Songwriting credits, in fact, are Goffin and King. This is a Brill Building era song. So if it sounds familiar, it might sound familiar because of the Righteous Brothers. It might sound familiar because of the hard rock band Vanilla Fudge. But Maria McKee produces, for me, my favorite version of this. And it's one of the really good examples where if love is genuine, and being expressed genuinely then even what you might call a traditional boy-girl kind of love song can speak many more volumes than that. And I believe this is a great example. Because I Can't Make It Alone might work just as well uh, in a prayerful sort of sense, speaking instead to the Lord. And, of course, it helps when there's lyrics like, There's something in my soul that will always lead me back to you.
Perhaps an interesting contrast to that from a love song perspective would be the track Make It Go Away. This is a uh, song written by Davis and Harding, uh, part of Holly Cole's work, uh, Holly Cole Trio, that sort of period. Originally recorded on Dark Dear Heart, but interpreted much, much better, in my opinion, on the album Romantically Helpless. So this is an example of a song that Holly Cole has released in two different sort of styles on consecutive albums. So, Make It Go Away, I think really it's the vocalization that works for me more than just the lyrics. The lyric that I picked to emphasize is, isn't that what love is supposed to do? Make it go away, or make it better, as I would do either one for you.
again, track number seven was I Can't Make It Alone, looking at the spiritual quality of what otherwise might be a romantic reconciliation type of a lyric. But here's the same kind of idea in terms of this sort of trying to make the best out of a potentially troubled romance. And I don't get the same necessarily spiritual quality from it, but there's a level of, of angst there that really and commitment there that really works for me. And this is one of the songs that I cherish most from Holly Cole. Holly Cole was a different drummer. In Inappropriate Conversations 89, I dealt with communicating with children in an adult way. Number five on my list is the first of two entries by Indigo Girls. Indigo Girls are a very special different drummer for me. I chose them to be the... Uh, the different drummer for the 9-11 episode, I guess would be the way I would word that. Looking back on from a 10-year perspective on the attacks that happened on September 11th, 2001, so this would have been Inappropriate Conversation 68, coming out in early September of 2011, marking that 10-year spot. Well, this is one of two songs from them, and one that I didn't really spend that much time with, as I recall, on that previous Inappropriate Conversations episode. But this is really the first track that attracted me to the Indigo Girls. I've been doing something just for fun, kind of inspired by some friends, again, inspired by friends to talk about music, with the notion of what is the first song that got you into a band? So, not their best song, not their biggest hit, not even necessarily your favorite song, and not even really the first one you ever heard, but the first song that you heard that said, okay, I'm buying more, I'm all in. This is an artist that I'm committed to enough that when the next album comes out, I'm definitely going to at least give it a listen. I'm at least going to give it a try because I'm committed. And in the case of the Indigo Girls, it wasn't their first national album, but it was their first national album on a major record label. And the first one that I would have heard as working in the record stores at the time, we would have been placing this particular CD on a listening post and putting it into in-store play. The Closer to Fine was the big single, at least the initial single, from that eponymously titled debut album on the uh, Sony Columbia record label. But three songs later was Tr Prince of Darkness. And Prince of Darkness really, to me, is a really great example of kind of what we're talking about here. By grace, my sight grows stronger, and I will not be a pawn for the Prince of Darkness any longer. I can recall getting in trouble for playing this particular song in stores back then, because it made reference to drug use, and somehow the reference to drug use, even criticizing it, was controversial. Uh, the temptation in that part of America, in the heart of the heart of the country, as I call it, to brush things under the rug, that having things brushed under the rug was more important than dealing with them honestly, even when you're criticizing things that ought to be criticized. For some people, their sense was, yeah, it's best not to talk about it. of the sun and this place is of the dark night. I do not feel the romance I do not catch the spark My place is of the sun and this place is of the dark night. I do not feel the romance I do not catch the spark Life is life at my expense. The world 
heart lined up like prisoners on a fence. Dreams came in like needed children tugging at my sleeve. I said I have no way of feeding you, so leave. There was a time I asked my father for a dollar, and he gave it a ten.
Come to think of it, that probably wasn't the first time I mentioned this particular song by the Indigo Girls. As I look back, I believe I did hit the topic of what I call secular visions of divinity, talking about music lyrics, to some degree uh, movies as well, but music lyrics in particular. That was Inappropriate Conversations 53, with a Palm Sunday focused, uh, going all the way back to 2011. Track number four. Another one of these first track ideas where a band like the Smiths, if you listen to college radio in the mid to late 80s in particular, you will have heard the Smiths. And and having heard the Smiths, maybe you form an opinion about the group. Maybe you don't form an opinion. I'm not sure. But for me, when I first heard the song Half a Person, that was a bit of a game changer. Uh, The lyrics are credited to both Marr and Morrissey. It's a co-songwriting approach the band was using at the time. Louder Than Bombs is where I would have heard it. I don't know if it had a previous release in the United Kingdom. But from a U.S. audience perspective, this would have been a song in the very first part of the Louder Than Bombs collection. Half a person. If you have five seconds to spare, then I'll tell you the story of my life. Seconds to spare, then I'll tell you the story of my life. Six, 
And this is where it gets personal. You see, I was going through an experience in my life in the late 1980s. This would have come out maybe in 86, but it really would have been 87 for me when I would have caught on, and this would have become really my the first track of the Smiths for me to uh, use the reference I made about the Indigo Girls a minute ago. And half a person had a relevance because it was talking about being misunderstood and uh, broken relationships and hopes of restoration and having something you were chasing for six years, uh, an answer that you weren't getting and, and the hope of resolution. At the time I heard this song, I had spent five or six years chasing the concept of what I call sacred friendship, intersexual friendship, and went from feeling like that was a, a problem I was never going to be able to resolve in my head to getting the answer, to getting the answer directly, and perhaps even getting the answer divinely, depending on what your faith experience and your worldview is. So for me, half a person by the Smiths is always going to have a very, very special place. As will, for almost the same reasons, number three, Joni Mitchell, A Case of You.
live in a box of pains I'm frightened by the devil And I'm drawn to those ones that ain't afraid I remember that time you told me You said love is touching souls Surely you touched my anchor Remember the time that you told me. You said, love is touching souls. Well, surely you touched mine, because part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time. I've written prose before, or perhaps even poetry, where I've used the expression or the concept, we could be the same person. And when Joni Mitchell is singing here about love is touching souls, that's a very similar idea, or at least when I interpret it. I interpret it as being a very similar idea. We could be the same person. Joni Mitchell was a different drummer on the episode called Raised on Robbery. This was recounting the experience I had being the victim of an armed robbery and what I, what I learned from the barrel of a gun is what I call it. Inappropriate Conversations 113, released February a couple of years ago. Number two, Jars of Clay, have not named, may not name, the band or the members of the band, a different drummer. But they certainly are a significant group, and they've made a difference for me. When I get around to naming a first track from them, in fact, Jars of Clay, it'll probably be from the album Who We Are Instead. It might actually be Trouble Is, which is somewhat like the title track, uh, referring to 
The trouble is we don't know who we are instead. If you reject your faith, if you wall off the possibility of spirituality, if you pretend that you're a human being who's walking through the earth as somehow fully human but without a soul because you've kind of told yourself there isn't any such thing, well, then the trouble is we don't know who we are instead. I remember on the Simply Syndicated forum years ago, interacting with uh, the moderators there, and one particular conversation was talking about the, the song that Jars of Clay put out, the same album, called I'm in the Way of Falling Down, I Won't Let You Go Down. So that I'm in the Way song, kind of connecting f- with me for people who do uh, social work, the thought of uh, the role of maybe a foster parent, or people who do interventions of sorts, I'm in the Way. But none of those are the number two track. The number two track on this list of memorial music is a song called Faith Enough. One of the things you hear, a legitimate criticism, I think, probably of the lyrics of contemporary Christian music, is that most of them are extremely simple. I've heard a complaint, in fact, from within the church. This wasn't somebody uh, who's not a Christian attacking the CTC genre. No, it was within the church, somebody who perhaps takes hymns maybe more seriously than she should, come to think of it, who was suggesting that the, there's something shallow about a lot of contemporary Christian lyrics. And she was recounting a story of, of an artist who got a phone call from agent, perhaps, or a record producer, that they needed one more lyric or one more verse for a particular song, and that they could have the band jump and get a head start on doing the music for it, but they needed the words first. And the uh, person hung up their phone, sat down, 25, 35 minutes later, they'd written the verse, picked up the phone, called back that to her it didn't seem particularly prayerful. Well, I think it's wrong to assume that anybody who falls within the contemporary Christian music genre is as shallow as that description makes it sound. No, for the writers Hazeltine, Lowell, Mason, and Odemark, I would say that Faith Enough is a very deep, perhaps even a meditatively deep track. It's just enough to be strong in the broken places. Is thin enough for walking. The rope is worn enough to climb. The road is dry enough for talking. The world is crumbling, but I know why. The world is crumbling, but I know why. Storm is wild enough for sailing Bridge is weak enough to cross This body frail enough for fighting I'm home enough to know I'm lost I'm home enough to know I'm lost It's just enough to be strong broken places It's just enough to be strong Should the world rely 
I already mentioned Chris Rice and the role that he played as the different drummer on Inappropriate Conversations 118. But as I told that story about friendship and about seeing the face of God and friends who had the courage to attempt to intervene in my life, whether I truly needed help or not in one case, this was really the song running through my head as I shared that for the first time online within the forum, which provides you a somewhat insular group of friends to share that with, to try that out 
on to decide whether being being that vulnerable and personal online made any sense. Uh, jury's still out on that. But this song, Faith Enough, and the lyric, It's Just Enough to Be Strong in the Broken Places, that's what runs through my mind when I think about those stories coming throughout high school and this notion of sacred history. And it came from the album Who We Are Instead by Jars of Clay. All of which leads us to number one. And when I talked about the Indigo Girls earlier, in Appropriate Conversation 68, looking back on 9-11, the different drummer for that episode was Indigo Girls, and the song that was the inspiration for naming them the different drummer is this song. If I had to pick one song, certainly if I had to pick one song from the 90s, there's no doubt, it would be Let It Be Me. From the Indigo Girls album, Rites of Passage, it might be my favorite song of all time. It is certainly my favorite song of this modern folk genre.
If the world is night, shine my life like a light. I talked earlier about wanting to downplay the idea that that I'd love to hear music at my funeral. I'd love to hear music that isn't necessarily restricted to being from the hymnal. And of course, if it's my funeral, there's a very good argument to be made that I won't be hearing any of it anyway. But when it comes to memorial, that notion of looking back, because I've lost, I've lost a nephew and a sister-in-law and other people in just the last few months... And for many of them, the way they're being remembered is not in the traditional funeral setting. They're being remembered in memorial services. In one case, I think the memorial service was less that and more of a meetup, more of a get-together, a chance for the surviving members of the family to get to know the friends who perhaps knew the dead man in a way that no one in the family could. That's absolutely me. It describes me to a T. Uh, my wife, I think, has a pretty good idea of, of who my friends are online. But I got a group of friends online that, you know, somebody could argue are virtual. If we hadn't met just a ton of them in the last 12 to 14 months face-to-face, my wife might still suggest that they're virtual. But there's this group of friends which don't have a geographic connection to me. They aren't from my work or from my college or from my church or from my high school or from my childhood neighborhood. And yet, the relationship might be, in many ways, closer than that. Because if I'm going to bear my soul with somebody online tonight about something that is worrying me or troubling me, if I come back from a funeral 24 hours from now, having a hard time dealing emotionally with that situation, perhaps being caught off guard by an emotional response, it is these online friends that I'm going to connect with. And yet, most people who I would you know, my flesh and blood family, even my extended family, not only would have no idea who these people are without the help of my wife, but I'm not sure they'd even know what to do with the relationship if they did happen to be introduced to them. So I think you almost need to think in terms of saying, hey, if there's going to be some sort of remembrance, whether it's a celebration or whether it's more thoughtful and contemplative and serious than that, It would warm my heart considerably if somebody said, yes, this song, this Let It Be Me by Indigo Girls, with the line, if the world is night, shine my life like a light. It's almost too much to ask, too much to hope, that at that point, I could have lived my life well enough that somebody would say, yes, this person was a light in dark times, as Chris Rice's song describes, or... His life shined like a light. Hi, I'm Tony Pucci, and I lost my sister Jenny to ALS. Songs for Jenny is a charity CD for ALS patient care and research. Otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS is a disease without a cure. The Songs for Jenny CD features my music along with guest vocalists from around the world. All proceeds from the sale of the Songs for Jenny CD will be donated to the ALS Association of America, Minnesota Chapter. To find out more and to purchase the CD, please visit www.songsforjenny.com. It makes sense here at the end to quickly rattle off some credits, because every single one of these is well worth seeking. To me... 
They're among the most meaningful songs I've ever heard, which is why I think about them in the context of memorial music. Indigo Girls, Rites of Passage, Jars of Clay, Who We Are Instead, Joni Mitchell, Blue, The Smiths, Louder Than Bombs, Indigo Girls, self-titled album, Indigo Girls, Holly Cole, Romantically Helpless, Maria McKee, You Gotta Sin to Get Saved, Chris Rice, Short-Term Memories, The Electrics, Living It Up When I Die, and The Ink Spots, the song from them, This Is Worth Fighting For. I don't believe I've got on many of my best of collections by them. I might have it on one. For me, I found that one on a multi-artist collection called The War Years. If you'd like to put some dialogue into this inappropriate conversation yourself, I can be reached at ic underscore greg at hotmail.com. The website has show notes with comments enabled, www.inappropriateconversations.org. You also can interact with the show. It can be, I can be found on Twitter at IC underscore Greg. Facebook has a page for Walk the Earth and a page for Inappropriate Conversations. In addition, both of these podcasts can be heard on Stitcher using Stitcher Smart Radio. And I'm continuing the process of putting promos or clips, if you will, from the earliest shows on, on SoundCloud. I'm IC underscore Greg there as well. Thanks for listening.